Hello and welcome to Everyday Medicine. I'm Dr. Luke and in this podcast series I'll be sharing conversations with colleagues exploring their special interests in medicine and bringing insights, ideas and advice for your medical practice. In this episode we're talking with an expert colorectal surgeon about how to manage the malignant polyp. At least 95% of colorectal cancers arise from colorectal polyps with the mortality overall approaching 50%. This does vary depending on the stage of the tumour. On review, 5% of polyps are less malignant, with sessile polyps three times more likely to harbour malignancy compared to tubular adenomas. Malignancy defined as histology breaching the muscularis mucosa and extending down into the submucosa where lymphovascular invasion and subsequent lymph node involvement may occur. The subsequent management of an identified malignant polyp combines both science and art. And in this respect, please join me to discuss this interesting subject as well as transanal total mesorectal excision of rectal cancers, DADME, with expert colorectal surgeon, Mr. Hanumant Shahan. Uh, Hanuman Shahan, thank you very much for joining me again on Everyday Medicine. You, you were kind enough uh, to come and discuss rectal bleeding, and I really enjoyed that conversation with you. And uh, I also enjoyed finding out about you, about your uh, your early upbringing in India, your uh, Masters of Philosophy in Adelaide, which makes you a, a scientist looking at prognostic and predictive uh, value of MSI and BRAF mutations. Then you work in Cleveland Clinic, and then subsequently work in in the Korean University Hospital doing that fellowship in robotics, which, um, you know, it's a pretty special kind of pedigree we've got here uh, with you. So uh, thank you very much for coming back in and, and chatting today about how we should approach malignant polyps. Um, you know, in general, as, as a colonoscopist, we're looking at polyps and making a, a kind of a visual assessment of what we think that polyp is going to be like histologically. And we try and remove them if we think it's safe. And the vast majority of polyps, of course, are, are benign. Um, but then every now and then we get a surprise. Yes. Sometimes, well, it's not such a surprise because we kind of expected uh, that it was going to be something a bit more, but we weren't able to say with precision. So here we have a malignant polyp. But what, what should we do? So <clears throat> the GP perhaps has seen that case and they're going to get the patient back to you and ask you what you should be doing about it. Can you give us a, a feeling for how we approach that problem? Yeah, uh, thank you, Luke. Um, uh, so the things, or the way I would answer this would be that um, there are things that we would like the GP to send us when they're referring a patient with malignant polyp, a bit mm. of information. Yes. Things that we would like them to do. Yes. And then based on that, what helps us make the decision whether these patients have an operation, are put on surveillance, or need another repeat colonoscopy. Mm. Uh, so malignant polyp is often a surprise. We do our best to assess a polyp, uh, look at their pit pattern, look at how they are, whether it's pedunculated, sessile, whether they're flat, whether they've got a bit of a crater, and, and we make the best visual judgment and then we remove these polyps. But we still get some surprises because we can't be 100% right mm. all the time. Mm. Um, so the incidence of malignant polyp is 0.02%, depending on the series you read. Um, things that we would like to know before we make a decision is that the location where the polyp's been removed from, whether the site has been tattooed or not, mm. uh, whether the uh, 
lesion excision was complete or piecemeal, mm. whether it was removed with a hot snare or cold snare. And I'll 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 explain more why these 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 inf this information is important to us. Um, then, um, if the patient's gone back to see the GP, then uh, it's important that they have a staging CT chest, abdomen, and pelvis, and also have an immediate CEA. Uh, we know that CA is on the in this remains in the system after a colorectal cancer is removed, uh, only for a week to ten days. Mm. Uh, so if it will be elevated, then it is important that you know that it was elevated because that's important for our ongoing surveillance. Be because CA is the one blood test in all our surveillance program that is shown to reduce mortality. So it's very important that we we do that test. Then um, when we do get a patient all information, we look at whether the polyp was pedunculated or sessile. And we look at the depth of invasion, which is essentially how deep the cancer has gone, so into the mucosa and then into, subsequently into the submucosa. So if mm. the polyp was, is pedunculated, um, then we look at the depth of invasion into the head of the polyp, mm. whether it's gone into the neck of the polyp, whether it's actually gone the stalk of the polyp, or whether it's gone a bit more deeper into the submucosa. Mm. The risk of lymph node metastasis, which is what why we would decide to do operate on these patients, depend on the depth of invasion. Superficial invasion polyps has almost zero lymph node metastasis risk uh, because they don't have access to lymphatics. Mm. The deeper it goes, the higher the risk. When you say superficial, so we're talking about histology that is a malignant uh, needling type, perhaps I should use that rather yeah. clumsy description, that has penetrated through the muscularis mucosa. If it's penetrated through the muscularis mucosa, then we're dealing with a malignant polyp, malignant polyp. not a high-grade dysplastic polyp, right. which is above and hasn't penetrated through the yep. muscularis mucosa. So you're saying if it's just uh, if it's just below the muscularis mucosa, then the access to lymphatics is very unlikely. Unlikely. Mm, okay. And uh, then that's where um, those polyps would, would have less risk of lymph node metastases. If it's a sessile polyp, which is often flat in nature, then they've already gone into the submucosa. And the way we classify them is that we divide the submucosa into three parts, mm -hmm. into one-thirds. Mm -hmm. The top one-third is called SM1, the middle one-third is called SM2, and the deeper, uh, lower one-third is called SM3. And again, the deeper the, the, the invasion, the higher the risk of lymph node metastases. The other thing that we look at, other things or other features that we look at in, on polyp histology is whether there is presence or absence of lymphovascular invasion. Uh, if there is presence of lymphovascular invasion, then that increases the chance of patient having mm. lymph node metastases yes. quite significantly. Then also we look at tumor budding. We look at the differentiation of the polyp, mm. whether it's often mm. the polyps are well to moderate, but if they're poorly differentiated, mm. then again, that's a mm. higher risk of lymph node metastases. Mm. And then we look at whether they completely excised or whether they were positive margin. And sometimes a histological assessment of a malignant polyp is difficult if there's hot diatomy, mm. polypectomy performed because you get a bit of charring at the polypectomy mm. side and, mm. and the pathologist will not be able to establish whether and the piecemeal nature of the piecemeal nature also also very difficult very mm. difficult to do um, so based on these features we classify all malignant polyp into three different groups low risk group intermediate risk group and high risk group 
and 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 the 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 decision to subsequently do surgery or surveillance would based on the risk category. Mm-hmm. Uh, low risk polyp is polyp that has had minimal invasion. So if it is a pedunculated polyp just into the head or the neck of the polyp, if it's a flat lesion, then it's just into the first. Mm-hmm. Um, superficial layer or SM1 of the mm-hmm. pulp and has no other adverse histological features that I've mentioned. Majority of these polyps can be surveilled uh, mm-hmm. with routine colonoscopy and colorectal cancer surveillance as per the national guidelines. Mm-hmm. These patients are often not offered surgery, mm-hmm. but we would discuss all these patients in our multidisciplinary meeting before mm-hmm. we make the decision. That's very important, isn't it? Yeah. Still quite nerve-wracking for the patient to they're a young patient and That's they've got right. that kind of yes. uh, those sorts of features and you might say well the risk is yes. I'm not sure if you can actually give us a percentage if, if they're That's in right. that risk of lymph node metastasis. Less than 5% mm. still, um, it's quite high still if you're yes. a young person. Young person so I think it's another factor that you have to consider. to consider and discuss with the patient but often these patients are discussed in the multidisciplinary meeting and mm. the mm. polyps looked at uh, and if it's a completely excised polyp mm. good margins no other adverse histological features, mm. uh, very superficial invasion, and the risk of lymph node metastases is, is less than 5%. They've had the staging, that's clear. Mm. Um, most of the time, the MDT recommendation would be to surveil them to an early colonoscopy to assess the site, because if they do mm. were to get um, mm. uh, something, then you, at, the, at, the, at the regrowth of the lesion or, mm. Uh, mm. or a polyp come back, then you'll be able to assess it. Um, you will also surveil them as per the national guidelines, so they'll mm. have their CEAs, they'll have a CT scan. Um, so um, they're very low, low. Mm. Um, do, do you think, you know, the advances, your field, particularly like robotic surgery, I mean, I've seen, I've seen how you operate and I've seen how quickly the patients are discharged from hospital. Oh, thank you. And, you know, I mean, it's, for me, it's, it's kind of, a, it's, it's a game changer in some respects, I feel, that... Uh, the way minimally invasive surgery and your approach. Do you think that changes the way we consider? You know, we think about surgical risks, and of course, I guess you can have a perfect anastomosis and it still breaks down, you can have bad luck. But when you talk about a different surgical approach, does that that start to change, do you think, these figures and the way we approach it? Like if if someone said to me, oh, we've got a 5% chance of lymph node metastasis, we can have an operation with an robotic surgery, you'll be out three days. Um, Well... I'll be taking the surgery, even That's if I right. had favourable yes. uh, histology, you know. Yes, so I think the, you're, you're absolutely right on that, Look, that um, I think it is, it is often um, a patient decision at times whether they would want to have an operation or not. Uh, the outcomes are different. Mm. Um, the, the outcomes are different because of the minimally invasive approach. Mm. Uh, mm. Patients have minimal morbidity after these, these operations. So. I think um, it is. It is certainly changing, and 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 and. Um, and you have to choose your surgeon yes, carefully. That's I right. think, like all things. That's right. Yeah. Uh, but I think um, we do have to offer patient options yes. because there is optional. Yes. That's, so that's a sort of scientific discussion that's about right, yeah. it. Yeah. And then then there are these emotional factors. Yes. What about the next couple of groups? So that's, that's right. you, we've gone through the not not very likely group. Five percent lymph node metastasis. Next. Then the highest group. And the intermediate group is a little bit of a grey area, which I'm going to talk about after the highest. Mm. Highest group is patients who've got deeper invasion, mm. either they've gone into the the stock or the submucosa yes. uh, SM23 and have got adverse histological features. Yeah. In those patients, you would offer surgery if they don't have too many comorbidities, if they're elderly, 
uh, if the risk of surgery outweighs you know, mm. the, the risk of recurrence in the group, otherwise you'll offer them an operation. Mm. And as you said, um, you know, with, uh, in our hands now with minimally invasive approach, even mm. with high-risk group patients with multiple comorbidities, we are able to achieve reasonable outcomes. Mm. Uh, but that's often is again offered to the patient, but most of the time we offer them operation for high-risk malignant polyp. Mm. Intermediate group is group where you have um, not not too much depth of invasion, so just head of the polyp, maybe neck of the polyp, SM1, which is the top one-third of the lesion, but one adverse histological features. Mm. And, and in those group of patients, you discuss with the patient. Mm. Um, obviously, they will discuss in the MDT, and you, if they fit, you would offer them operation. Mm. They've got multiple comorbidities, mm. have got very high risk of surgery, then you, you would mm. want to surveil them. It's where the art of medicine comes in, isn't it? Yes. You know, the, the research has given us all these kind of uh, uh, pointers to how we should best manage the patient, but yes. it does come down to uh, that, that discussion and the art of how you actually be a good surgeon or good doctor. Um, that's, that's very interesting uh, and I think and very helpful. And I, and I guess as a colonoscopist, we have to be very clear about um, describing where we see the pulp, describing it, taking a photograph and putting a, a tattoo mark in. I think it's very important for us as colonoscopists to maintain a high standard. Um, Ahan, I wanted to ask you a couple of other things actually, because we've, we've just talked about malignant polyps, but there's a new operation that you do that um, could change again the way we approach uh, rectal surgery, the TATME yep. uh, operation. T tell us, what is that operation? Just inform um, us about so that. It's Rectal cancer surgery is often difficult, no matter how you do it, um, open laparoscopically or robotically, mm. um, mainly because uh, you have a very narrow fixed pelvis with a bulky tumour and a lot of other structures nearby that you have to be mindful and preserve when you do the operation. This new approach, which has come in last four or five years, where uh, in select group of patients, you have to select the right patient to do the, this operation who have really low, low rectal cancer, very close to the inner, inner rectal junction. If they're morbidly obese, male patients where other approaches will be really difficult, mm -hmm. you can approach their surgery by doing this operation from the bottom end where you stitch the rectum from below using a special port, it's called Tamis port, and then you do the rectal dissection through the anus, moving towards uh, the top end. The benefit of this approach is that you get wider views of the pelvis and the dissection itself is much more cleaner than any other approaches in morbidly obese patients mm. with really low rectal cancer. But the other added advantage is that you are able to establish the distal resection margin right from the start mm. because you're less likely to, to, to have a positive margin because you've actually put a stitch below that. Um, it is an approach that's that's still in its infancy stages. Um, a lot of units are doing that surgery, and um, um, we still have to see long-term data on it mm. um, to see what are the oncological and and functional benefits of this mm. operation is. So the hope is that it's going to be uh, sphincter preserving. It's sphincter yeah. preserving. And what, how, do you, can you clear lymph glands from from that that's uh, right. procedure as well? You yes. can do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you You're a wizard. Uh, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no. The wizard of surgery, that, that is, that's a very interesting operation. Yeah. How close can you get so to the anorectal? So we need, um, we know that uh, we need one to two centimetre margin, distal margin. So 
if it is if you can get a one to two centimeter clearance that's so any tumor that's above mm -hmm. the anorectal junction two centimeters above i would say would be suitable and then you can do a coloanal anastomosis patient doesn't want to have um, I end permanent colostomy. But just run through that, the acronym again, the TATMI, it stands for? Transanal Total Mesorectal Excision. Thank you. We'll be bearing that in mind with our referrals to you. Um, you're busy, very busy young surgeon. You've got a young family. What, what do you do to relax? Yeah, um, I've had a very busy uh, time in fellowships, uh, but uh, now I'm trying to find to do things. So I've got two girls, seven and three. Um, they're my relaxing <laughs> and I do relax a lot when I do go play with them at home. I recently bought a house, um, it's, a, it's an old house, so there's a lot of work required to be done. <laughs> yes, it's um, a project, uh, that's That's fun. a project, so um, I do tend to try and fix things myself and then when I feel I'll get somebody to help. Um, <laughs> so I do um, handyman work, I've recently put uh, lights in a pagola, that was a relaxation time. Right. Yes. I do cook um, every weekend, uh, try to cook at least if I'm free uh, on a barbecue, you know, to do a lot of things, the girls playing and I'll run the barbecue, have a few beers. Yes. I'm into yes. scotch, so I love scotch. Really? Yes. Okay. So I, I do buy uh, the reserve Sullivan Go whenever they're available. <laughs> um, and um, and just doing things, you know, um, recently um, in, um, in during the school holidays, uh, I promised my girls to put a veggie patch on, so that project's still ongoing. Uh, those are the simple things. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, other, apart from that, don't get much time to do other things. It sounds like you need to buy a few chooks and some chooks therapy yes. at home as yes, well. It's very relaxing. Good. But keep them away from Mr. Fox. All right. Yes. <laughs> uh, thank you very much for no joining problems. me. Thank you. Thank you for joining me in the conversation today with uh, Mr. Hanamud Shahan. He provided the very logical framework for how we approach the management of malignant polyps. And uh, I'm very grateful to him for joining us today in this discussion. Uh, during the podcast series, we will be covering a wide range of topics across many specialty interests. The discussions are not intended as specific medical advice for patients, but as general information only and reflect the opinions of the guests interviewed. Requests for new topics to be reviewed and comments about the conversation you've listened to are welcomed and may be emailed to manager at glhealth.com.au.